Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We're here with our medical associates, cardiologist, Dr. Brian Locke, and Mercy One cardiologist, Dr. Ali Al-Baghdadi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, I want to be a little bit more specific about heart attacks, and I want to talk about the Widowmaker heart attack. Can we talk a little bit about what it is? And it seems like it's a really scary name. Do we know where it came from or how it originated? So honestly, you know, cardiologists don't call this thing a Widowmaker because it's mainly sensationalism, but it is a scary place where this blockage could happen. So what what they're describing is a blockage in what's called the left main coronary artery. So there's three arteries to the heart. One feeds the front wall, one feeds the left wall, and one feeds the right wall. The ones that feed the, the front and the left are served by one single stem, and that's called the left main. So if you have a blockage in the left main, if even if everything below that looks perfectly normal, everything below it is still going to be affected by the blockage above it. Okay, and so that's why it's so potentially critical because it can affect two vessels, basically. And so it's honestly mainly for people to post on Facebook for sensationalism, but cardiologists never talk about the Widowmaker. I mean, if you just say the left main, people know what that means. Are the signs and symptoms similar to a general heart attack or is there special symptoms that you would experience if you're experiencing a widowmaker heart attack? Most of the time, what we see is if there is no history of heart disease, those symptoms are very typical. Usually they're very severe. They're very sudden onset. Um, early recognition, early treatment really can prevent some of the complications of it, but usually they're not kind of subtle. Now, if somebody has a history of heart disease, they're diabetic, some of the symptoms can be a little more subtle. And it, even then, it's just if Anything is feeling out of the ordinary and persisting and not getting better, getting treated and getting evaluated is very important. And how do you know that you're having that type of heart attack? Well, you wouldn't know that one from a different one, honestly. You know, if you're going to have a heart attack, it's going to be chest pain type of stuff or short breath or severe something that's going on, you know, that changed from hours before type of thing. So you wouldn't know that per se, but it does put you at higher risk to have heart rhythm problems and other kind of things because it does supply two vessels. And so if those vessels are, you know, impaired in terms of their blood flow, then people can obviously have, you know, severe problems from that. And stress probably plays a very big factor in your risks too, right? Stress is a bit, very big factor. <laughs> So both short-term and long-term stress can really increase the risk of, you know, their risk factors, main one being blood pressure. Now, just acute stressful events can increase the risk of plaque ruptures. So we know it's very, very stressful events, whether they're joyful stress or whether they're frustration stress, either one can increase the risk. Heart attacks and, and strokes also are kind of run together in that, that vein. But, you know, the other risks are more pertinent, I would say you know, with regard to the cholesterol, the blood pressure, the diabetes, the obesity, the smoking, drinking, all these kinds of things, exercising. Certainly stress can cause, you know, problems. And there are, there's something called the stress-induced cardiomyopathy, which is basically, you might've heard of this, it's called the broken heart syndrome, where people have, you know, excessive trauma in their life. Somebody passed away or, you know, some issue in that in their life that's causing them a bunch of stress. And sometimes that can look like a heart attack. And so sometimes we have to 
do an angiogram and we find that they don't have blockages, but we do find that their heart pump function is not normal because of this. So that's the most worrisome part of stress, honestly. Reading up, experts say that the Widowmaker heart attack only has like a 12% survival rate. What plays into that number being so low? Well, that's because of what I was saying earlier was that because it serves two major vessels and the vessel that feeds the front wall of the heart, which is a huge territory, as well as the left side of the heart, which is also a big territory. So if both of those are compromised, you're going to have, you know, definitely increased risk of, you know, dying potentially from the, and that's why we think, you know, it's critical blockage. And so, you know, in most coronary vessels, we think that 70% or more is, is abnormal. But in this vessel, 50% or more is abnormal because of where it's, of its location primarily. I think sometimes, especially when you're having milder symptoms, people might kind of wave off the feeling, assuming they aren't having a heart attack. So what are the top three signs that people should not be ignoring? Yeah, so I would say chest pain that's suddenly happening that you didn't notice before, shortness of breath, or, you know, exercise intolerance that, you know, you could walk down the street last week and everything was fine. And suddenly now it's a lot more difficult to do that kind of stuff or you're at work and it's more hard to do your work. So those are things that I would be more concerned about with regard to something going on that we need to investigate further. What should someone do if they're experiencing these symptoms and what will we do here at Mercy Wadi? So if you're having these symptoms, you know, assessing how, if this is something that's coming and going, if it's, if you're able to kind of do your daily activities, but it's with exertion and when you're resting and you're relaxing, the symptoms aren't there. That's something that you should convey to your primary care physician or to your cardiologist if you have one for further evaluation. If this is something that's brand new, it's not going away, or if it's very severe, you know, something that's out of the blue, though that should warrant immediate emergency evaluation. So the first thing is, you know, if you have those types of severe symptoms that are that are ongoing, please don't drive yourself to the emergency room. You know, just pick up the phone, call 911, get brought in. The chain of heart care can even start with the EMS. EMS will start and basically do an EKG in the fields. They do that to take an electrical snapshot, an electrical picture of the heart. That will help tell us if there's a big blockage, something that needs immediate care. And we can start that process before you even arrive here at Mercy One. If that EKG is normal or it's not showing those big blockages, but it's concerning, again, EMS will kind of triage you in the field, bring you into the emergency department. Here, if, if the EKG continues to be normal, we, we check enzymes within a heart that are a sign of heart muscle injury. We get a good sense if, if those enzymes are going up, if there's anything else that could cause those enzymes to go up. A lot of times we do things like echocardiograms to check the heart muscles, see how that's functioning. And then ultimately the, the diagnostic tests of choice in the setting of a heart attack is in a coronary angiogram. And that's a procedure we do here in Mercy One very regularly. It's where we insert kind of a plastic tube like an IV into the wrist artery. And a lot of times we go up to the heart, shoot dye into the heart arteries directly and take x-ray movies. And if we see a blockage or we see something that needs to be fixed, a lot of times we can fix it through those same plastic tubes with balloons and stents and get the artery right back open, restore the blood flow. So it all kind of depends on how acute the symptoms are, how our early recognition is. 
But a lot of times if symptoms are really severe, getting that early recognition by EMS really can make the difference. I want us to talk a little bit about first aid. So what role can a bystander play if they see someone having a heart attack? I would say the most important thing is call 911. Really, there's not a lot that someone can do in the wild. If you're at the grocery store and somebody is, seems like they're having a heart attack, you I mean, I would lay them down, make sure they're, you know, breathing okay and feeling okay, at least as much as they can be. And call 911 as, as soon as you absolutely can, because that's the best route to figuring out what's going on. You're not going to be able to help them very much by throwing aspirin down them or anything like that at that time. So yeah, 911 is going to be your best bet. I think that comes into the next question I wanted to ask, which is how does education play a role in it? Yeah. So no, just knowing what the symptoms are, you know, if you're, if your friends or loved ones or even stranger on the street is having any of these symptoms and you are able to recognize it, again, early activation of the whole heart chain, chain of survival is going to help. So recognizing it, activating the appropriate emergency medical services, triaging. And, and so a lot of times it depends on the severity, but, a lot, but I think, you know, and our modern culture is, you know, if we're able to recognize somebody who is having a big heart attack and is having a sudden cardiac death, the initiation of CPR really is the biggest benefit and really can save a life. Wow. Good to know. So if you could leave our listeners with one last piece of advice, what would it be? If you're concerned about your symptoms at all, don't wait. You know, the sooner we're able to evaluate your symptoms, really get a sense if this truly is a heart-related symptom, the sooner we can get it treated. Yes, so you can get you on a road to recovery and less heart injury has been done. You know, the last thing we want is that people waiting on their symptoms and waving them off as saying this is something else. Um, it's always trying to get ahead of the curve and really trying to improve long-term survival. I would say I would probably do as much as you can to modify your risk factors before you even ever get to the point where you have to have any of this done to you, right? So we want to make sure your blood pressure is fine. We want to make sure your cholesterol is good. We want to make sure your diabetes is controlled. We want to make sure your weight is controlled. We want you to quit smoking. We want you to exercise. We want you to, you know, eat right. Those kind of things are the most important thing really in the long term that's going to change your life. That was very informative. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your expertise. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me.